Go ahead and pick your speed up your number one now. Runway 27, clear to land green dot. Welcome to Oshkosh, guys. Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Green Dot EAA's podcast coming to you from Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I'm Hal Bryan. I'm senior editor for content and publications at EAA. With me right over here is Chris Henry, the EAA Museum uh, Programs Rep. And across from me is Tom Sharpentier, Government Relations Director. Excellent. We're, uh, we're pretty excited to do episode number two. And, you know, before we get, uh, get to our guest today, our wonderful special guest, um, I wonder if we should take two seconds and uh, make sure that those that might be new to EAA or, or our podcast, make sure they understand the name. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Let them know uh, where we got the name Green Dot for. All right. Tom, do you want to talk about uh, talk about the dots at Oshkosh? Okay, so um, that's great. No, really, please go ahead. <laughs> uh, so uh, EAA is the Experimental Aircraft Association. Uh, we'll probably do a whole episode on exactly why we're called that um, in a little bit, but suffice it to say that. Um, we were founded by people who built their own airplanes and continue to do that. And uh, in the United States, that's called an experimental aircraft. So that's why we're the EAA. And every year we have our big convention in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, where we handle uh, close to 10,000 airplanes here in Oshkosh. In order to get that many aircraft onto the field, we have a polka dotted runway. So we have, um, just like a regular runway, we've got the threshold where aircraft land, but we also have dots on the runway um, where we instruct, some, or sometimes our controllers instruct aircraft to land. Uh, so we have uh, a green dot, we have an orange dot, we have a purple dot, I think we have a yellow dot. Um, so we chose green dot as the, uh, as the name of our podcast. Now, Tom, would you say that the green dot is the best dot? Um, I've never landed on any of the dots, but... Uh, I guess I'd say that. Now, have you tried to land on the dots and you just missed, or you've just never been assigned to land on a dot? I've never actually flown the approach into Oshkosh. Ah, the first okay. time I ever had, uh, I was ever at AirVenture was the first year I was on staff. Excellent. All right. Well, with that uh, little bit of housekeeping out of the way, uh, Chris, why don't you uh, why don't you introduce our guest over there as he chugs his coffee? <laughs> well, absolutely. Uh, uh, for anybody listening who has watched the TV show, uh, it's available. It was, it's been on Discovery Channel. It's been on Weather Channel here in the United States. It's on Netflix currently. Cool. Uh, is the TV show Ice Pilots. Uh, we're uh, fortunate to have Mikey McBrien from Buffalo Airways here with us. Uh, Mikey, uh, welcome to, to EAA this morning. Well, thanks for having me. This is uh, pretty cool. So uh, this morning we've already trekked around and uh, hung out outside of the DC-3 outside. We had to stop him from pre-flighting it this morning. Uh, out in the cold, but uh, what's your first uh, impressions of EA so far? Oh, this is amazing! Like just just the museum here is just outstanding. Like the aircraft types and stuff like that. It's just definitely stuff you don't see in Northern Canada, except the DC three. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, can we have one of your Electras when you're done with them? Oh yeah, you can you can take one right now if you want. There are a handful. <laughs> I uh, I believe uh, I believe that's official. That's totally <laughs> legitimate. We have an international agreement. Yeah, I think that's a verbal contract. We'll have to go right fight there. Chucky on that one, yeah. though, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, the history of Buffalo Airways. Uh, Buffalo Airways was formed in 1970 uh, with my father and three other guys. Uh, and then my father quickly bought them out because he doesn't really like working with people. Um, so, yeah. So what is that now? What's, what's that with math? 47 years? Yeah, it'll be 47 yeah, years in May. Um, yeah, my, my father's birthday is actually tomorrow, St. Patrick's Day. He's going to be 73. So there's a lot of history there. And, um, and the funny thing, people are always like, well, why are you flying DC-3s and DC-4s and C-46s? And my father's answer was, when I started, that's what everyone did. 
And then I woke up one day and no one was doing it. <laughs> he just kept going. So it's not like it's not like a museum like trying to acquire airplanes. It just be as always, we've always had them. And so that's just kind of this how it is. We never evolved. We're kind of like this Jurassic Park where there's like this one island where all these uh, ancient uh, planes still fly. It's like all of Yellowknife is encased in amber. Pretty yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what's <yeah>. happening. <laughs> that's great. Well. It, it, so tell us a little bit about some of the challenges that exist operating a fleet that old. Well, I think the the big challenge um, is, is is of course usually the weather, and that's uh, you know the tank, the ice pilots, right? The whole the whole show is basically showing us uh, in the weather. But you know, like minus forty, which is the same in Celsius as in Fahrenheit, uh, creates a whole lot of problems. Like everything that is designed isn't designed to operate at that temperature, so. After a while, you kind of see what works and stuff. But then it's just like anything. If aviation wasn't hard enough, you got to everything from, um, you know, the aircraft themselves to finding pilots that could fly those aircraft in those conditions. So like like an air show, any any pilot can fly any airplane basically in an air show. But to, to put it in a working experience, it takes another – you need to be extra crazy and basically <laughs> where it goes to. So, um, yeah, once you get a good captain, you, you, you basically, you know, you got to blackmail him to stay. What do you do for spare parts? Um, do you just buy up stocks from museums or uh, operators that are no longer um, running their aircraft? I mean, uh, you must have to be really proactive about that. Yeah, it's um, that's like one of the number one questions I get. In today, like if you go today, it's basically impossible to find parts without going to a museum and robbing them blind. Um, but in the er, uh, the mid nineties and. Uh, Early part of 2000s, my, my whole childhood, we'd go to um, uh, auctions all through the states, um, everywhere, like Sal Air in Spokane, and then there's Texas and uh, Oklahoma and all these crazy places. And there was um, Starman Auctions, and I think they're from like Nebraska or something, and they would have about two auctions a year. And these were all the companies that were selling DC-3 and C-46 parts. Uh, and then, the, you know, the owner died. And then there's no one else to sell the parts to. So they'd sell them all in bulk. Oh, wow. And we just get trailer loads and trailer loads of parts. Um, so we have a World War II hangar in, um, in Red Deer, Alberta. And it's like, I call it the ghetto Walmart because it's just full <laughs> of airplane parts. Anything, like anything that was anything, B-17, P-40. And I'd call that, that the world's coolest Walmart, just to, <laughs> yeah. be, uh, just to be clear. <laughs> that is, that is, uh, that's just fantastic. And with the uh, with collecting all those parts, I mean, it's something I guess we should touch on is what are some of the aircraft that you currently operate at Buffalo? Well, right now, um, we're the Lockheed Electra is our primary for our high Arctic, uh, you know, cargo delivery. Uh, the DC three um, for for cargo. Uh, we're not hauling passengers right now. Hopefully, get back. We're using just King Air one hundreds for passengers, um, and then the DC fours we're officially retired now. Uh, we got the CL215s. Um, the 802s are coming online this year. Um, and then the, Curse, the, Court, the Curtis C46, uh, which is a lot of people's favorites. Anywhere I go, uh, especially I just got back from Europe, everyone stopped me and they were like, that Curtis C46 is just amazing. And uh, it is. It's one, like still to this day, I grew up, uh, I think we got it in 93. Um, still when it takes off especially at minus 40 in those those you know those huge props and hearing that snap in that cold weather it just the whole town stops to watch that thing take off it's it's truly amazing so 
yeah, that kind of rounds out the, the airplanes. And there's a whole bunch of little ones, but little ones are boring. <laughs> now, the, the CL, like you said, mentioned the 215s. Those yeah. are the flying boats, the yeah. amphibs. Um, I see a lot of those used as firefighting. Are you guys involved in that uh, piece of it at all? Oh, yeah, they're, they're strictly firefighters. Strictly firefighters. Yeah, they're, okay. uh, they're Canadian-built. Um, uh, there's 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 uh there's basically three versions there's the the radial engine version there's the the t conversion which was versions that were converted to turbines and then there's the the 415 which were built with turbines uh now uh there's a company at a calgary called uh, viking they bought basically everything from bombardier and oh, so right. they're now going around the world buying up all the series 5 cl215s which is the latest model and hopefully going to be start converting the 215ts um, so I spent probably the last 10, 15 years going around the world buying up all the parts of, of 215s and that kind of stuff. Uh, so it, it's a special place in my heart, but it is cool to see now that it's going to get a, a second life. Oh, that's very cool. Now, Viking, are they the ones that are doing the Twin Otter as well? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. They're, they're pretty cool, man. They're, they're, they're really probably the one of the premier companies besides Basler here now that are taking uh, older aircraft and bringing them to the, the new... Uh, Century, whatever century we're in, I don't keep track. <laughs> I really have no idea. <laughs> now with the time zone difference and the exchange rate, it's, yeah. who can, who can really tell? <laughs> exactly. Um, oh, give me, let me throw in one yeah, question, Tom. Uh, just out of curiosity, if I were to ask you what the weirdest thing you guys have ever had to haul would be, any ideas what that is? That's an amazing question um, because we have to haul everything. Right. Um, there's no roads. So everything from, you know, your eBay purchase to your mattress to everything has to go on, on the planes. Uh, like a lots of, lots of bodies. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> well, you say lots of bodies. Well, you got to get them over. Right? <laughs> um, I believe we heard that here first. <laughs> um, oh, man, what's the weirdest thing? Like the coolest thing for me ever was the Stanley Cup. And, um, oh, wow. And I know for uh, in Canada that's the coolest thing in the world it's the coolest thing in the world to me is the Stanley Cup that if for people that don't know that's the that's the trophy for the best hockey player or the best hockey team at the end why do I have a hard time explaining what the Stanley Cup is <laughs> well, I'm you're, Canadian you're, you're getting choked up I I'm mean, getting choked up I, your, I don't know it's how it's in your DNA oh, I love right. it so much he got the same way at KFC yeah <laughs> yeah they, 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 they closed the KFC in my hometown of Hay River and in Yellowknife oh. so like seeing KFC is just like seeing the next girlfriend you're just like oh my god do I go talk to her yeah. <laughs> there's all my bad decisions yeah. do I go talk to her do I give her five dollars what She's so, What's appropriate she's here? so greasy. <laughs> All right. Wow. Do you have a do you have a Timmy's in yellow knife? Oh yeah, yeah. Tim Hortons is uh it's pre it's pretty much mandatory now. It's <laughs> I think you can get a jail if you don't go there. <laughs> Excellent. Tom, you were starting to say something a minute ago and then I babbled. Oh no. Um uh, my question was um, kind of shifting over to the uh, to the TV show a little bit. Now that's still going on, right? Um, no, we or... finished up um, actually the last episode. Uh, I think we shot it was June 2014. Uh, we took up WZS, which is our DC three okay. that was in D Day, and I jumped out with uh, the Green oh, Berets and then the, right. the Canadian military, uh, which was crazy, um, absolutely insane. But um, you but you finished up after how many seasons? That was six seasons, seventy three one hour episodes. Wow. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of work. That was that was about six years straight of working. Um, so with when the TV show is um, for me was there was the, the editing part, the production, the promotion and stuff. So it was really year round. Most people at Buffalo they just got to they, they we filmed for about I'd say a good solid eight months, and it kind of rolled over about ten months of the year. Oh wow. 
Um, but for me, it was just nonstop. So by the time you, you film the episode, you or like you actually live it, filming it, you watch it and editing, and then you see it on television, and then the reruns, you basically relive the same moments of your life over and over again. <laughs> so I feel like I'm pretty much 80 now because it just those years, just every year seemed like 10 years. Now, for those that may not have seen the show, and I, I can't imagine there's many people listening that uh, that haven't seen it, but in my opinion, it's it's certainly the far and away the best aviation-related reality show I've ever seen, and I get the sense, um, and you know, you can comment to whatever degree you like, Mikey, but I get the sense that this is probably just one of the most, one of the least scripted and and reality shows out there the sh- one of the reality shows with the least sort of manufactured drama would you agree mm-hmm. with that yes i highly agree uh, with that and uh, i know there's a lot of people calling bs right now because uh but luckily we can't hear that <laughs> this is pre-recorded uh, to, to be very 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 honest with you um we there was no budget or time or even the even the cooperation from people from buffalo to actually set things up there was really just one camera guy following people around really and it was the whole just film everything and let the editor sort it out so it was the poor editor's job sitting in vancouver to see these like thousands and thousands of hours of footage and put it down to a tv hour which is like 45 minutes so when that happens there is things that get kind of to tell a story like entertainingly you do move things around in timelines sure. and certain shots and like we didn't have a chase plane following every flight, so they reuse shots everywhere. But the general stories were pretty much as it happened, and which which is rare, um, because it it was. Uh, I, I was going to say, I guess I can't say. I was going to say a, a, a swear word, but I won't say that. Um, I guess <laughs> our it was, editor thanks you. <laughs> that one's for you, Rob. It was. It, it had took a lot of guts uh, from the production company. Um, to invest the time and money just to film everything where modern shows i won't name them they say okay we have two weeks these are the things we want to hit we want to have this 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 and this so there even people on tv they're not actors um but they are put into situations where certain outcomes will happen uh, where we were just filming and the captains always had 100 percent control to say no so if there's a camera guy, we they of course wanted a camera guy on as many flights as possible, but the, the captain always could say no. And uh, and so that, that level of control, it really meant that the camera people had to have a really good relationship with the pilots. And if anything, any trust was broken, be it on a TV show like showing something you shouldn't show, that camera guy was basically blacklisted. Wow. So they, they, the, the camera crew had accountability. They, 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 had, to, they had to show on the show, something that was not necessarily favorable, but, you know, not, you know, throwing someone under the bus. So the, the accountability actually helped out with the show too, where nowadays people just get paid so much money that they just, whatever, just do whatever kind of thing. Just do whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, could you talk just quickly uh, about my favorite episode, hands down, the the Dam Busters episode? Oh, wow. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, that, um Windfall, I think it was Windfall Productions out of the UK. I just get this random phone call, and uh, this guy's like, "Hey, you ever hear of Dam Busters?" And I was like, I vaguely knew about it at the time, and I was like, "Yeah, is that where they blew up dams?" You know, 
<laughs> like the name, right? And then, Mikey McBrien, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And, uh, so he was like, yeah, yeah, he gives me a little bit of history. And he's like, yeah, we wanted uh, a company out of the England because it was English. It was for the BBC. Uh, they wanted an English company to do it. And the guy said, there's no way we could do this in the EU called Buffalo. They're probably the only ones that could do it. Um, not from a financial reason, but just, you know, uh, a craziness reason. <laughs> Um, so we're like, yeah, so I, you know, got the basic things and I went out and seen Arnie, our chief pilot at the time. I was like, Arnie, this, you know, about Dambusters? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, they want us to redo it kind of like a Mythbusters, like kind of scenario, like do it in modern times. He's like, yeah, it's no problem. He's like, but I don't want to, I don't want to skip it. I just want to hit the dam. I think I can just hit it. I'm like, well, no, Arnie, no, Arnie, I think they want to test the physics out and spinning and all this stuff. And he's like, oh yeah, that's bull, whatever. We'll do it. And then, so that's really what it was. And then uh, my father was completely against it, 100%. Um, and uh, there's a lot of, like, with Transport Canada and stuff, and they actually built that river. They actually built the river. It was like a million bucks to build the dam. Oh, jeez. And all the time and effort, like, there was so much work. It took, like, we had the easy job. Like, the ground crews were just amazing, the crews there in McKenzie, B.C. And then we came out, we did the testing, and the testing did not go well. Um, I think a lot of the stuff got cut from the because they were just so much filming, uh, and then of course there was the documentary. But then we shot it for Ice Pilots, right? Yeah, so, so there's you get two to sort so, of see two pieces. Of yeah, it. so the, there's the one hour BBC documentary where I get like one line. I'm like, hey, like, and then they cut me. Um, <laughs> Did you practice that one oh, yeah. a lot? I was like, yeah, it was good. But uh, yeah, and so that that was good. And it became award winning, and then the the US version came out in Nova, I believe, and then Canada had its own version. And uh, so anyway, going back to it, um, yeah, we did it, and the tests weren't going well, and we had that uh, Hugh, uh, I can't remember his name, but Hugh um, was our, um, Hugh Hunt, uh, he was our, he's like the smartest guy alive, like him and like Albert Einstein share the same chair, uh, chair at Cambridge or something right now. Anyway, so him and Chuck were trying to figure out everything, all the physics, and then when we did it, we finally spun the, the, the fake bomb up and all stuff and Arnie came in down and we're telling Arnie we're like okay Arnie it, we had to be I believe it was 200 feet at um, 190 knots okay, and he's in the DC-4 the DC-4 right? and there was this, we had those plastic buoys like these blow up toys, uh, toys in the water and there was like you gotta drop them like you see the first one and you drop on the second one and when Arnie does it of course I'm standing there by the dam and uh, I go into the trees and the and the, the director is yelling at me on the megaphone, get by the dam, we can't see you. <laughs> and this is like as the plane's coming. And I'm like, No. No, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stand there where, like and like this. And the guy's like, Go stand there, just jump out of the way. If it goes your way. I'm like, No, it's coming at two hundred mile an hour. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm not Usain Bolt here. I'm a, like, I'm a Hay River. I, I barely even placed like 20th on my track and field meet when I was like 10. So there's no way I can get away from this thing. So anyway, I'm, you know, cameras, I do stupid things. So I'm standing there right at the end of the dam. Arnie's coming in and he's at 75 feet and he's over, uh, he's about 200 knots and he drops it late. So it, it, it hits the dam perfectly, which blew everyone away. Because in testing it wasn't going that way, and so he he nailed it perfectly, and but he was just these these he was a little fast, a little low, and all that stuff. And then so we're talking to Arnie, I'm like, oh Arnie, blah blah blah, and he's we're like success, it worked perfectly, thank you, blah blah blah. But he's already at the airport spinning, 
the other bomb up to do because we were going to do six runs. But when I noticed that the water actually hit the airplane when it was coming in on the run, it was so low that that barrel splashes. So we're sitting there, side of the airplane, watching the footage and everything, and just like, oh my god, like he's he's low, he's fast, and blah blah blah. And we're like, oh, it's because of the you know it's glassy water, and we're like, oh, Arnie, blah 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 blah. And then uh, so we're like, it's good, we good, it's good enough for TV. Like it wasn't perfect, but it's good enough for TV. It's the most riskiest thing in the world we have done, and all that stuff. And then we watch the cockpit footage. And Arnie's like, yeah, that doctor, he's uh, whatever, man. It's no, no, no. We're gonna go down at seventy-five feet. We're gonna go two hundred knots. I'm gonna, I'm gonna nail that dam. <laughs> really got so exactly, we don't show that in the show, but exactly what he said. He, he knew exactly what that airplane was doing, what speed, what everything. And that was the most amazing thing. That to me was my most favorite moment as we were trying to myth bust this thing and do it perfectly. Arnie did his own thing and he just nailed it. (laughs) And that's incredible. And he had no no depth. There was no, with the glassy water and the altimeters are just whatever, right? Well, with the uh, originals, he's, you know, got the DC 4 standing in for the Avro Lancaster, the British bombers. You know, the originals, they use that system of spotlights. Because they were flying these at night, you know, two spotlights angled. And if I remember right, you know, they were shooting to be right at 60 feet. So, you know, him coming down from 200 is not at all that unreasonable. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just, I picture him maybe sitting at home the night before watching the movie <laughs> saying, <laughs> I can do this. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it, it was just, it was all amazing um, how it all worked. And, and, of course, we got a lot of hate mail, too. But, but you guys weren't getting shot at. I'm like... Well, we could have, I guess, if they paid us enough. I could have been there an AA gun shooting at Arnie. <laughs> and you didn't do it at night. It's just like, well, we did have to do some stuff that was safe. Um, but it was awesome. We what had with one there of, not being a war and yeah. everything. You know? Well, we could have started one. You never know. But we had one of the original Dan Busters with us. That actually got cut from the show, too. So oh, really? he was there with us, and he got to, to watch the whole thing. And, and of course, mad respect to all the, the history of everything like that. And... But it was just the, the amazing thing looking back. And that was Arnie's, like, Arnie was coughing a lot at the time. And, and moving forward, Arnie en- ended up passing away from cancer. We didn't know he had cancer at the time. Um, that was his last commercial flight. Was it really? So we pulled him out of retirement. And we uh, he was living in Kelowna, B.C. Uh, he came in, did the flights. We did the drop. And then the next day, after sleeping in a bit, as you can see, we're celebrating, we flew back to Yellowknife uh, on the DC-4. And that was his last flight. They did sneak him on some other airplanes unofficially when he was really sick, but that, that was his last paid flight was that damn busting thing. And uh, so that was this amazing, amazing end to an amazing career. Yeah, what a way to, what a way to go out. That's mm-hmm. just incredible. And wow. That's sad. I, I actually hadn't heard that he had, uh, he had passed. I realize that's old yeah. news now, but that's just... Spoilers, yeah. That's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, yeah, you got to... Yeah, there's actually quite a bit of people that passed away from the show. <laughs> That's kind of a sad subject, but yeah. But you're still with us. Yeah, Chucky and I are still here. Uh, uh, kind of, there's a there's a, a morbid joke that Chucky and I are going to be the last. You know, like that movie Logan. It's pretty popular yeah. right now. You got a guy born in Northern Canada taking care of a guy named Charles. I said, yeah, that's going to be Chucky and I. I'll be driving around. And uh, we realize you can't see this, but Mikey did just extend adamantium claws from his knuckles. <laughs> yeah. I, I wish we had video. Technically, Wolverine was born in the Northwest Territories. Which, oh, really? Yeah. That's, it's, it's modern day Cold Lake, but back in the 1800s, it was Northwest oh, Territories. So territories. I can keep that. I just keep envisioning 
you taking care of Chucky as a movie. Well, I do it already. That'd be fantastic. So yeah. you guys, I'd be doing live videos uh, on the Ice Pilots uh, Facebook page with Chuck every Friday. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. And that's uh, it's a lot easier to do that. There's no editing. There's no nothing. You can swear or whatever. But yeah, Chucky's so. good at it. <laughs> so I guess <laughs> we're going to do an, uh, a, a live video today. We're going to do a, a live video on Facebook uh, from the Eagle Hangar today. That's correct. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And, uh, and Chris, what else brings uh, Mikey here? Uh, for us this week well selfishly uh it's my program so i'll plug it the uh ea speaker series that we have it's the third thursday of uh, every month uh we have a new guest that comes in talks about their experiences in aviation or uh a, a piece of history that uh, is, is out there that we want to talk about or cover uh so this month uh, mikey's here to talk about buffalo airways and the flying uh, the vintage aircraft up there uh that's in the museum every third thursday at 7 p.m that's great. Well, we're sure glad to have you here, Mikey. We're uh, glad to have you here to speak and everything else. Oh, it's amazing. It's good to get out of work. That's the best part. It's still cold. It was minus 40 just a few days ago up north oh. still. So our, what, 20 or whatever we've got must feel pretty warm. Oh, yeah. It was, like, insane. I was out laying on the grass this morning. He was laying in the snow taking pictures of the DC-3 this morning. <laughs> and meanwhile, I was wiping ice off the plane this morning to fly to work. That's right. You, you had to fly back from Madison this morning. Uh, yeah, that's you? right. I was uh, yeah, down there and... Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cold. <laughs> that was Tom's version of yeah, for me. Pilots, I, yeah. I say, Tom, look Mikey in the eye and tell him it was pretty cold. I want to <laughs> yeah. see what happens here. <laughs> did you have you, did you have your mittens on? <laughs> I did not have my mittens on. <laughs> I wish I did. <laughs> my fantastic. mom. My mom uh, puts my mittens on i got the string that goes around uh, inside goes so i don't lose them that way somebody grabs one hand <laughs> yeah. that can make you hit yourself with yeah, the other exactly exactly That's tom perfect. i think we need to get you some of those so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that so uh so mikey i know you've got uh, i don't want to spend a ton of time on it it's not necessarily the uh the uh right audience for you but you're doing a pretty interesting uh documentary film project yeah um to tie it in, like after working so much on Ice Pilots and, and learning, um, you know, how to tell a story. Because that was the, big, the biggest thing about Ice Pilots was um, learning to take something that was mundane. Like even if it was, cr like the one thing about pilots is that they'll have like crazy emergency, but in the air it's all crazy. But when they land, it's like, oh, yeah, Arnie was too. He's like, oh, it wasn't so bad. Yeah, was, yeah we just did what we had to do. So like I spent my whole, my whole life going, that's not so bad. And then you see the footage in the air and just like, what the hell were you guys going through? Like just sweating and it's like everything's going wrong and stuff like that. So seeing, seeing that and how stories are put together, um, when Ice Pots was done, I was like, hey, I want to do something. And, and that what I'm doing now is retracing the early 90s of hockey history and video games and the moment they merged. Uh, and it's, a, it's really a, an American story, mostly in New York. So it's called Pixelated Heroes. So if you guys like hockey retro video games, check it out. It should be done sometime in, in, this, in the late spring, early summer. Uh, that sounds great. Yeah, prior to EAA, uh, as our listeners would know from our last episode, I was at Microsoft for 15 years and spent about 11 of it uh, technically in the games group, mostly working on Flight Simulator, but I worked on a few Xbox titles as well. So that subject matter really caught my, uh, caught my attention. Yeah, I found, I found all the original programmers, and they didn't know anything about hockey. Which is crazy. <laughs> they built the best hockey game ever without knowing hockey. So, yeah, that, that's that means anyone can do anything they want. So when you met them and you told them you got you guys got to transport the Stanley Cup, they just stared, yeah, glassy no eyed, clue. no clue. Like they were like, I know who Wayne Gretzky is. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of cool. And uh, the, 
the weird thing that the, the most weirdest thing is uh, I, I'm normally in Europe a few times a year, and when I'm in England, um, of course, the, the, as you can tell, the, the the conversation always goes to hockey somehow. Um, no matter how you start, you can like a police officer, or judge, or whatever, it just ends up talking about hockey. Um, so I end up talking about hockey, and they know absolutely nothing about hockey in England, but they will know everything about Buffalo because of the show. And that just, to me, is the most mind-boggling thing. Because they've never heard of an entire sport, but they know your company. <laughs> yeah, they're like, they've never heard of Wayne Gretzky or, or, or like the Montreal Canadiens or any of these like iconic things to me. Um, and they were like, oh, how's your dog Sophie doing? <laughs> I'm like, that, that is crazy. Does it ever get creepy? Does it, does it transcend, or are you pretty used to that right by uh, now? I'm pretty used to it. it like, yeah, I was in a bar in Iceland, of all places. And uh, who among us has has not found ourselves there (laughs) and uh, having a drink. And then, yeah, this like after about 20 minutes, the guy would be like, oh, how's the DC four doing? And I'm like, what? (laughs) And then some other guy is like, oh, yeah, I like the DC three. And then like the whole bar knew about icebox. And I was like, I was sitting there for like 40 minutes. (laughs) So, yeah, and stuff like that. Like we got we just got recently got fan mail from Ewan McGregor and David Letterman. Like really? two random people, like can't believe they watch our, our little show. And you and McGregor's brother, I think, is an RAF pilot. They did a documentary together. Yeah. So yeah, he like sent a handwritten so. letter to my father talking about how poorly he flies a DC, or <laughs> how poor Ewan flies a DC, ah. not my father. But, yeah. So that was pretty cool. So I sent him a, a gift package and stuff. And then David Letterman, his uh, his he has an early memory. Him and his father flying a, a Eastern Airlines DC three. Oh no. And kidding. him and his son, who I think is like thirteen, fourteen right now, they go around. Um, um, they go around looking at uh, vintage aircraft. So, when are we going to get him here, Chris? Uh, that sounds like the next challenge. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, I see we're getting pretty close uh, close up against the clock. Producer Sarah is hopping up and down in the corner, <laughs> gesticulating wildly. You guys agree with that, right? Yeah. The next yep. step she said was on the table. So. Yeah. <laughs> so we gotta we gotta avoid that. So Mikey McBrien, the uh, Wayne Gretzky of reality mm-hmm. aviation uh, TV programming. Like, that's the best thing anyone's ever said about me. <laughs> I'm going to cry a little. Uh, thank you so much for taking some time to be with us here today. It really means a lot. We appreciate you coming to EAA, speaking at the museum. Uh, you know, you, we know you're always welcome. You were here at AirVenture, was that about five years ago? Did you, that was 2010. 2010. Yeah, wow, we were just little kids. Ago. All of wow. us here. Yeah, no kidding. We, we grow up so fast, don't we? That was we? amazing. It was absolutely well, amazing. Well, we hope, uh, we hope you come back anytime. And we really, again, really appreciate you taking the time to spend some time with us today. I think I'm going to go live in the museum there under that P, uh, the lightning there, <laughs> P-38. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll make a, a Mikey uh, exhibit under there. Yeah, I was going to say. And, uh, Look at this homeless man. Chris will bring you breakfast every morning. Oh, It'll be like the know. zoo when the bear comes out of the cave. Like, <laughs> here comes Mikey. He's coming out for his, <laughs> his McNuggets. He's <laughs> feeding. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, big thanks to uh, again to our guest, to Mikey. Uh, thanks uh, to producer Sarah for keeping us uh, on, on the clock. Big shout-out goes to Rob Molash, uh, our editor. What else is Rob? Is he our technical guy? I don't know. Rob, uh, when you're editing this, uh, just punch in and uh, insert your favorite job title, and that'll be just fine. So with that, that concludes episode number two of The Green Dot, and uh, we look forward to catching up again next time.